As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Not an emergency van cast, but an extraordinary one, certainly, given the circumstances that we are all living through and trying to navigate at this point in time. Uh, Drancer, last time you and I got together for a van cast, we were breaking down a game. It was the shootout win over the Islanders. Seems like a lifetime ago now when you think of everything that has gone on, not just around the hockey club and the NHL, but uh, the world as a whole. Yeah, it feels like another lifetime ago, and it was the last time... We may see the Canucks skate, you know, in an NHL game for certainly months and, you know, potentially as much as half a year, depending on how this all plays out. Uh, you know, I don't think we realized it really, right? Like this, the changes to our day-to-day came slowly and then all at once, didn't they? Like we were sort of just adjusting to this new world of not being in the locker room and, uh, you know... Obviously, everything changed rapidly on Wednesday as you were at the ballpark in Arizona. Yes, took in a Dodgers-Brewers Cactus League game, and as it turned out, the last one of those uh, as well uh, in this ever-changing world we're in. You know, at the risk of covering some old ground, again, uh, listeners, we ask you to bear with us because we haven't done this together uh, since last week, the middle of last week. And you're right, uh, I hadn't even gone to Phoenix, let alone come home from Phoenix and then start to, you know, figure out this new normal that we're all uh, living in and dealing with right now. So uh, just to go back a little bit, yeah, I mean, I traveled on Wednesday. And look, when I left Vancouver on Wednesday morning and I flew with Patrick Johnson to Post Media, and, you know, I think the two of us, well, Patrick had already pulled out of the Denver portion of the road trip. He's got a pregnant wife at home and Colorado had declared a state of emergency and that was enough for him. Uh, you know, the red flags went up. Uh, stupid me, I was going to plow right through. And when I left, like I fully expected the game in Glendale to go ahead Thursday. Uh, I didn't think for a second that that game would be affected. Uh, I thought that the game in Denver might possibly be the first one that I would... Uh, see with no spectators. I thought maybe it would get to that point that quickly given that Colorado had declared a state of emergency. 
But I kind of thought when I left Vancouver that both of these games would be okay, and that it was the California trip the following weekend at the end of this week that was likely to be in jeopardy just because it was California and because of Santa Clara and the measures that were being put in place to the north. So if I had any concerns at the moment when I actually departed YVR, it was oh, the, the LA trip and Vegas. That one probably won't happen, but these two games... They're going to go ahead. I was looking forward to a you know a meaningful game, a game between the Canucks and the Coyotes, like with some real meat on the bone. And you know, once things started to swirl with the NBA late Wednesday afternoon and evening, you know, at that point, you kind of figured that the NHL had no choice to follow suit. But uh, when I woke up Thursday morning, all we knew was there was going to be this conference call with the commissioner and the governors. I thought at the very least that there would still be a morning skate because at that point the game itself hadn't been canceled. And I thought, well, they're going to prepare as if there's going to be a game to play. And if there's not, you know, they'll deal with it then. Uh, then things just started moving at warp speed from the postponement to the what's next. And of course, the Canucks were supposed to fly out of Glendale post game onto Denver. Well, now they had no need to go to Denver. So they were left to scramble to find, you know, arrangements to come on home. And it was just a, a day unlike anything that I had ever been a part of in, you know, more than two decades in this business. Yeah, and it, it just moved so quickly. Once Gobert happened, you know, it, it felt immediately like a matter of if not when, right? Or sorry, yeah. when not if. And, you know, I started texting everybody sort of uh, people who were involved with teams that had played like, you know, for example, right, the Detroit Pistons had hosted the Utah Jazz on that Saturday, and obviously we've since learned that Christian Wood, the you know Detroit Pistons power forward, has tested positive for COVID nineteen. But you know that game takes place at Little Caesars, and the very next day, the Detroit Red Wings, well, they hosted a back to back set against both the Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes, and since then the Carolina Hurricanes had played, you know, the uh, I can't remember who they'd played, but the. Right. Lightning had played the Red Wings. So, I mean, it looked like a situation where until you had five teams that had tested negative, right, throughout, like, how could the season go on, right? And so, you know, once once I sort of had that math done in my head, I was like, oh, this is this is done. Like, they're going to they're going to have to shut down here. And, you know, now with the CDC announcement yesterday that sort of, you know, we're, we're two months out from gatherings of more than 50 plus being you know, within what's medically advisable in the United States, like, you know, we, we, we're settling in here for something that's going to gonna go on for a bit. And, you know, I was not surprised that the NHL released their players, right? The NHL's made a, a few sort of interesting decisions here. One is that they've decided to pay their players, right? And, and that's not, like, there are, the language is pretty clear in the contract. Like, the league didn't have to do that. But obviously, for a variety of reasons, it's the right call. And I think one of the considerations was that it allowed the league and teams to maintain some control over keeping players close at hand uh, for an eventual restart. And, uh, you know, there were sort of mixed messages over the weekend. I know that hasn't been really talked about, but the league sort of sent out a memo. Uh, I think it was Saturday or, or, or maybe it was Friday, sort of suggesting that players could go home reversed course about 15 minutes later as teams were scrambling to, you know, tell their players not to book the private jet to Montreal or what have you. And then, uh, you know, and then what, three days later, or 
two days later, the league sort of reverses again in light of these CDC recommendations. And I think that's just, I tell that story because it's just a snapshot of how quickly this is moving, how difficult it is for teams to grapple with things. You know, you you even think about things like the ECHL, right? The ECHL has decided they're not going to pay their players after today. Today is the last paycheck for ECHL players. And for a variety of players who are, you know, for example, on two-way deals or one-way deals, making an AHL salary in the ECHL, like they're going to have to get to, in the case of a Canucks prospect, I mean, maybe they'll stay in Kalamazoo, but, you know, a lot of those guys are reporting to AHL sort of arenas and and league guidelines have suggested, I believe, to teams that those ECHL players can be sent home. Well, what if you're, you know, playing in the southeastern United States and you're from Nanaimo, right? (laughs) Like there's all sorts of crazy sort of situations here. Um, that we're still sort of working through and, and seeing how things are going down. I, you know, I think the WHL is letting players drive home. You posted that funny photo of Jet Wu with the teddy bear, right? And I mean, but there, but no one can fly if you're a WHL player unless you're European and heading overseas. Uh, you know, as as I believe, like Milos Roman of the Vancouver Giants did recently. So, you know, this is just so unprecedented. And as you kind of look through it and, and sort of consider all the lives at lower levels than the NHL within the hockey world that have been so significantly disrupted at this point. I mean, it's it's quite the story. It's quite the, you know, situation. And it, it's amazing to see, you know, how wide-ranging this sort of societal shutdown is. Right. So just to go back to Thursday, as the league makes this decree that games are mm-hmm. on hold, you know, we're hockey reporters. Our lives, we're slaves to the schedule like the players are, like anybody that, you know, is in this game day to day. And so all of a sudden, the morning skate's been scrapped. Now, they don't always have morning skates, so it's not extraordinary that there wasn't a morning skate. But, you know, I'm sitting there in Phoenix. I got nothing to do. And I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to go over to the Canucks Hotel, which was across the parking lot uh, from my hotel basically in the same complex as uh, Gila River Arena. So I go over to the lobby of the hotel and I'm thinking, you know, I'll just see if I who's around, what they know, you know, better than sitting in my own hotel room. I got my phone if I need any news updates or anybody needs to reach me, I got my phone. So off I go to the Canucks Hotel and, you know, there were a few guys, team personnel milling about the lobby uh, because what people don't understand is like a lot of times the flight, the charter, the actual airplane the Canucks fly on uh, moves on and goes to another job. And then a new plane, or maybe that same plane, will come back at a different time and pick them up and move them to Denver for the next game. But it doesn't just sit there in Phoenix. And that was the case this time. So right. now the conductor's scrambling. Like They, they want to get out of Arizona. Uh, they need a plane. But the charter company originally was designed to bring a plane in at like 10 o'clock at night so that they would fly on to Denver post game. So, you know, a lot of the staffers, team services guys, like that was priority number one to get these guys uh, away home. And so there was some concern and, you know, I ran into a couple of management people and, you know, nobody had answers and nobody really wanted to talk. And certainly we were told by PR that, you know, players were off limits, that there were to be no interviews conducted. Uh, but I had a chance to chat casually with a couple of the players that came through the lobby. And, you know, I travel with my little camera, as you well know. And I thought I had a little bit of downtime. Like, I'm going to see if I can get into the rink. I thought maybe I could get some pictures of, like, Canucks trainers loading up gear and packing up the dressing room and, you know, sort of just trying to document a historical day 
in the National Hockey League. And and so I flashed my media pass at the accreditation, the, you know, I, like the proper channels. I tried to go through the media entrance at the arena and like I got shut down in a hurry. Like there was no way they were they were told me that like, you know, under no circumstances are you getting in here. And I tried to explain it didn't matter. And so I quickly knew that I wasn't going to win that battle. So I stepped away and then I thought, well, I'll just shoot some exterior video of the rink. It's quiet, the box office, nothing happening. And before I know it, the same guy that had shut me down inside the building, like literally chasing me across the plaza there at Westgate, uh, screaming that I was on private property and there was no video. Uh, and so we resumed our fight kind of outside the building. And, you know, I told him that, come on, like I'm just shooting pictures of the, like, the building. He didn't want any of it. So uh, I asked him where the demarcation line was that, you know, uh, public, private, public property began uh, he didn't really want to cooperate there. So I just stepped back, but <laughs> I, I, fortunately I had taken, <laughs> I, you, the, the you funniest asked him part for the specific line. <laughs> yes. The dividing I love line. It. The funniest yeah. part for me was he was dressed in like full game. Like he had his like, you know, Gila river arena blazer on and his tie. And here's this like security guy kind of trundling, chasing me, uh, around this plaza that had nobody in it like the, if somebody was watching from afar it probably would have been quite funny anyways fortunately i had taken some video uh before i even attempted to get into the building so i had some establishing shots that i needed then i went over to the hotel and spent the rest of the afternoon there and again like just you know as you well know from being on the team side like hockey players look, they live a pretty damn good life and everything. And I mean, everything is laid out in front of them, right? Meals and schedules and it's game day or it's a practice day. Those are sort of the, I guess it's the odd off day too, but like, you know, it just, you could see the look of sort of confusion and concern on a lot of the players. Like the, what now? Like, what do I do with myself? Uh, I'm not going to have anybody that's here to kind of spoon feed, spoon feed me by the minute. Um, you know, Antoine Roussel asked me like, what are you guys going to do? And I kind of shrugged and I said, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Like I said, that's, you know, that's our new reality. We got to figure that out. And then he joked, he's like, ah, I'll take some videos of me doing squats and I'll send them to you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind. Yeah, that's exactly. very kind. Hey, hey, look, any content is good content at, at this stage of the proceedings, but you know, Brandon inside Sutter, Antoine Roussel's squats routine, I'll take that. Come exactly. on, work those glutes. Right. Perfect. And, and like Brandon Sutter was the guy that said like, you know, is the rink going to be open? Like, do I have access to our own gym or am I supposed to go get like a, a gym membership? And like, he honestly, he had this sort of look of, uh, I'm kind of serious, but maybe I'm not like, I, like just this notion of him, like going to the community center and signing up for a gym membership. And then he was the one that's like, you know, do I want to be working out on like the same gear and, you know, a sweaty guy over there yeah. that maybe, you know, no. like, these are all legitimate questions that these guys. And I think too, like for me, and look, my, my first concern is myself and my family, but like, I do wonder, like Quinn Hughes is a 20 year old guy. Elias Pettersson's 21. Like, I have no idea how self-sufficient these guys are when it comes to feeding themselves and cooking and those types of things, you know, if they don't have access to the rink, like they're not going to, they're not going to go hungry, but you know, these are sort of like the little micro issues that these guys who, again, have had sort of everything uh, presented to them, whatever they need, it's always there for them. And now all of a sudden, if the rink is close to them, and it is for the foreseeable future, you know, like they got to go on with the business of living. And I, I just don't know how adept 
Quinn Hughes is, I hear he's a slob. Anybody talk to anybody, they'll tell me he's a messy guy. So I have no idea if he's a mess in the in the kitchen too. But like I, there'll be some fascinating stories to tell when we do get access to these guys again about you know how they went about kind of just preparing meals for themselves. Yeah, Chris Tanev's going to be sending them care packages. I'm Seriously? pretty sure. Like I'm pretty yeah. sure he's their main source of sustenance. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. No, I hear you. Like those stories have been told about how they go over to Dad Tanev's place and he'll hook yeah. them up. He'll take care of them. So uh, <laughs> maybe maybe that's what it'll come to. Like DoorDash, Chris Tanev version. Yeah, you know, honestly, just real quick on Tanev's foodiness. I, I my favorite, my subtle favorite interaction of the year was, you know, I asked Chris Tanev, and I had to follow up a couple times before he would tell me what his sort of best. The, the thing that he cooks best is, right? And finally, I framed it for him like, what would you cook if you had to beat Bobby Flay? And all of a sudden, his eyes lit up, right? And he was like, well, I, I mean, I make really good ribs, but I wouldn't make them against Bobby Flay, right? And I was just like, perfect. That's the best. For me, anyway, that's my funniest quote of the year, just because I've been watching a lot of Chopped over the last four days. I haven't left my house since Thursday. I'm about to in about an hour to go uh, into TSN 1040 studio and and host with Matt Sakaris. But, you know, this, uh, look, this is going to test a lot of people's culinary skills. And, and you just hope that everyone sort of pays attention to, you know, making sure that you don't reheat food twice and, you know, what temperature you have to cook meat at um, and on and on. And then for sure, working out at home, like trying to stay fit in a quarantine environment is not going to be easy for NHL players. And, and that's sort of why the league has, you know, the league's original plan anyway was to allow team facilities to open, you know, in a couple of weeks after a quarantine period for all the players. And following that, maybe have like a mini training camp. Hopefully, what, a month out? It was the optimistic hope, but certainly people were uh, thinking that it might be a little bit longer. And, you know sort of begin to ramp guys up physically so that they can potentially be ready for whatever comes next. Uh, and, you know, lots of sort of different permutations are, are floating around out there. I think there's a lot of proposals being considered. Obviously, the 24 team one um, is out. I was sort of a lot of people pitched that to me yesterday as I as I began to make my calls and I sort of detailed it in the column at The Athletic today. But I've also heard from a lot of people who don't love that at all, right? Who think, you know, why are you having 24 teams? Like, why are you having eight extra teams players sit around, right? And, you know, they may end up just playing two games after waiting for two and a half months. Like, a lot of people think that doesn't make sense. So it's going to be really tricky to whether, whether this is restarted or canceled. It's going to be tricky and the fallout is going to be massive. Right. And just to your point of 24 teams and two teams sitting around, if those teams play in markets like Montreal and Chicago, uh, I think it's pretty easy to figure out why you would want uh, those kinds of markets right. involved in any sort of play-in, uh, you know, not just the financials, but just the interest level, obviously, in hockey mad markets like that one. So, uh, you know, again, it's too soon in the process right now to know uh, how we're going to come out of this. Uh, we're just, we're sort of just getting into it right now. But, uh, you know, for the Canucks, they got home. They left on Thursday. Uh, Patrick Johnson and I were, you know, in Arizona for most of Friday. And, you know, it was fascinating to be at the airport. I mean, I say fascinating. Maybe that's not the right word, but terrifying. Yeah. I mean, on some levels, sure. Um, yeah. You know, and I think, look, 
Two weeks ago today, as we record this on this Monday, two weeks ago today, I was in the Columbus, Ohio airport and then in the Denver airport. Like, you know, it was two weeks yesterday that the Canucks had the meltdown in Columbus. So two weeks ago, I was in Ohio and Ohio has been a state that, you know, was sort of on the front edge of uh, shutting down public gatherings. And we know that uh, there were the memos to the Blue Jackets and whether they were going to uh, adhere to them and those types of things. So you know, for me, it's not just having been in Phoenix last week. Like two weeks ago, I was in Ohio and then in the Colorado or Denver airport as well. Um, but just to be at the airport now, like when you see people sneeze or cough, like there's this human instinct. Everybody kind of, you know, the sneer, uh, this look of derision. Everybody takes two steps back sort of from anybody that coughs. And, it, you know, I guess it's understandable just to the times that we're in. And also our flight, like our flight originally was supposed to be at 12.45. I think it took off just after four. Uh, it was late getting in. And part of that was probably cleaning uh, at this end. I think it was coming from Vancouver. And then, you know, it go, undergoes this thorough uh, cleaning now. And again, to me, it was crazy to hear people grumbling about how long, because uh, they kept pushing it back sort of in 15 and 20 minute increments. And... Like, there were people in line that were grumbling about how long this was taking. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, how? How in, how can you possibly be complaining? Because you'd be the same kind of person that would bitch and complain if they didn't do a thorough enough job, right? Like, way better to be safe than sorry. Anyways, uh, it took a while. Uh, we got out of there. But I was surprised. Like, when I flew in on Friday night, it was business as usual at YVR without any sort of indication from anybody in a position of authority about, you know, what was expected of those of us returning from the United States. Like there was nobody stopping you. There was nobody questioning you about where you'd come from or about, uh, you know, what's next, no handouts, none of that. Like I, I was shocked that it was just, you know, the usual go through customs, get your bag and away you go. So I hope that uh, procedures are changing as we go here. Um, but that was one of my sort of great takeaways from, from my travel at the very least was, uh, if you didn't know what the world was fighting right now, uh, at YVR, there was no indication that these were extraordinary times. Wild, eh? And yeah. obviously that will change following Justin Trudeau's announcement on Monday morning, uh, that Canada's borders are closed except to the one country who we share a border with. Uh, but nonetheless, like it's wild that we've been so slow in a variety of ways to react. And, you know, we, we won't make this a public policy uh, podcast <laughs> as easy as that might be, but, you know, certainly seems uh, reactive uh, considering how much we know and how many different models we have around the world to look at uh, from countries that have done a better or a worse job uh, of fighting the spread of, of COVID-19 virus. Right. And we learned late last night that, you know, COVID had hit the Canucks, that uh, a staffer yep. in the office tower, and they were quick to point out nobody that had any contact with hockey players or hockey operations. And look, the players aren't even around Rogers Arena right now. So just keep that in mind. But somebody on staff uh, has contracted the virus. And so as we record this today, Monday, like their offices are closed down entirely. So it has hit the Vancouver Canucks. It has hit uh, so many people. Like, as you know, I mean, I live in North Vancouver. I live three blocks away from the Lynn Valley Care Home that has sort of become the flashpoint of this, you know, at least in this country. Like, it's frightening to think that this is taking lives three blocks from my house. So, um, 
again, like who knows where it goes from here and, and what's next in all of this. All I know is that the Canucks are trying to do the best that they can as all these pro sports teams are, you know, navigating uncharted waters. I know you wrote on sort of eight questions facing not just the Canucks, but the National Hockey League uh, that's posted at The Athletic now, so people can check that out. We touched on a little bit. Uh, one thing that I think fans and probably media members too have been surprised to see over the weekend is that, you know, on one level, it is business as usual in the hockey world with players being put on waivers. And, right. you know, a roster freeze is coming into effect this afternoon that could impact the Canucks. And, and this is one of the points that you write on. You know, Jalen Chatfield was recalled on an emergency basis when we learned that Chris Tanev was going to be out weeks. Chatfield arrived in Phoenix, but on that Thursday when I spent time in the hotel lobby, you know, like his sticks were still bundled. I don't think his bag was ever unpacked. Like, I think, you know, he flew in with his own gear and by that point, I, I'm guessing that the training staff kind of was on a, you know, wait and see to see if it was worth setting up a stall for him and, and that kind of stuff in the locker room. Anyways, his gear was on a separate cart in the hotel lobby uh, at the end of the day as the Canucks were getting set to load up their buses and, and move on to the airport. So, uh, you know, my sense is that if the Canucks are one of these teams that makes a roster move that, you know, Jalen Chatfield certainly could be returned to the American Hockey League just because it was an emergency recall and there weren't long-term plans for him to be in the National Hockey League or to play in the National Hockey League had business carried on as usual. Yeah, and my understanding from the rounds of calls that I made yesterday is that the league specifically advised teams that, you know, in, in situations that match uh, the Chatfield sort of situation where, you know, when we've seen the Canucks do this regularly, almost game by game since the deadline where they have emergency recall players and reassign them, you know, honestly before puck drop, but after warmups, like in that eight minute window or <clears throat> 22 minute window, the Canucks have been reassigning these emergency recall players and then sort of announcing it the next day. But, you know, Chatfield would have been reassigned in the event that, you know, the six healthy Canucks regular defenders with sort of a third pairing of Fattenberg and Ben were to dress against Arizona. Like he would have been reassigned later that evening. Do you think and he would so, have with, with back-to-back games on the road though? Don't you think he would have stayed up through well, the Colorado game? I think they might've, they might've, uh, they might've um, terminated the emergency conditions, reassigned him and recalled him again. Right. That's probably what they would have done just to avoid burning one of those four recall slots. Cause they, are behaving in a way to preserve maximum flexibility, right? And we saw this with Brisebois just the week earlier in Vancouver, right? Where he was reassigned and then recalled, right? They had that announcement, right? They had a press release that specifically sort of, you know, we have terminated the emergency conditions on the loans of Brisebois and Chatfield and also recalled <laughs> Guillaume Brisebois on emergency right. conditions, right? So that's sort of how they were functioning. And so, yes, I do think he would have been reassigned following that game or before that game even took place and my understanding is the NHL has advised teams in situations that match Chatfields to reassign those players based on the spirit of you know them have they they would have been in the AHL anyway so you know make sure to make sure to conduct yourself accordingly uh, you know that said I think the PA would have had a, a significant problem with a player like Zach McEwen who had clearly worked his way into Vancouver's regular lineup uh, were he to have been reassigned in similar circumstances and that's sort of just what I wanted to lay out because 
you know, uh, Canucks wouldn't tip their hand in, in conversations with me yesterday, but, you know, the sense I got just from talking to other people and on and on is, you know, I would expect that Chatfield will be reassigned today and that will be the last Canucks transaction that we have to sort of pour over, uh, at least until they begin to sign, you know, some of these UFAs or drafted players, which, which I do expect to happen, you know, in earnest over the next three weeks. Right. And one of the things you touch on too, though, like we're so conditioned here, certainly in the last couple of years with Gaudette and Besser and Quinn Hughes, you know, these guys that sign their first pro contract and play coming out of college, you know, and burn that first year of the entry level. Well, if there's not a season to resume, you know, that certainly changes the dynamic for college free agents. They may still, you know, have received the best pitches. They may have made their decisions, but just in terms of burning the first one so that you get closer to that second contract and some real money, uh, you know, that's probably an avenue that's not available to them this year. Yeah, and the league will not permit contracts to begin during the 1920 league year. All contracts have to begin in 2021. And, you know, additionally, right, you do have, and I mean, I talked to Demko about this for that piece that I wrote about Vancouver's success signing players like Demko. And, you know, he talked about how after his sort of team in in university and they were a stacked team with like six or seven current NHL players you know on in the lineup Uh, they all sort of met after they lost in the frozen four semis and kind of made a collective decision to move on to their pro careers but they were so disappointed you know that they hadn't made it to the final the final that Brock Besser actually won uh, you know Brock Besser and Troy Stetcher with uh, Nodak over Quinnipiac that they actually met as a group and sort of made a collective decision that they'd turn pro rather than take another kick at the can. Like, you know, Canucks fans, for, for Canucks fans any, anyway, it's all about the green and blue. But for college players, like, these guys want to win a national championship. They want to compete for a national championship. And to have the rug pulled out from them the way they did and, you know, responsible decision by a variety of the institutions that sort of made that call. Jack Rathbone, who's obviously the most interesting case from a... Canucks fan perspective, you know, Harvard was a leader on this, right? Like Harvard was 48 hours before the rest of North America in shutting everything down. But that hurts, man. And and I think that combined with the inability to burn that first year is going to make a lot of college players think twice about their plans. And, you know, I've already spoken to some agents who represent college players who've indicated that their players are being influenced by the, that disappointment in addition to sort of the new rules, the new dynamics, the new rules of the road that players, uh, that teams are dealing with through this viral suspension, um, you know, in terms of which way they're leaning, whether they'll turn pro or whether they might try, try, try to take another kick at the can at the college ranks. So, you know, we'll sort of see how it goes. Obviously, for a player like William Lockwood, another Canucks drafted player in the NCAA, he's a senior, so he can't go back anyway. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I do expect the Canucks will push to sign him in addition to a couple of other, you know, promising prospects, the most high profile among whom is Nils Hoglander. Uh, but, you know, for a player like Jack Rathbone, I do think the dynamic is significantly altered as a result of you know, this suspension and what it means for players in his circumstances. Well, let's just make this pledge to our loyal VanCast listeners, and we've said it throughout, uh, and we'll say it again, how much we appreciate the support, the feedback that we get. Uh, My wife has asked me this question many times, like, what are you guys going to talk about? Uh, She doesn't totally get it, but uh, 
look, I've survived lockouts, uh, hosting radio shows. Uh, we go through the summer yep. months. It's Vancouver. There are no shortage of topics to talk about. And so we will continue to do the Vancast twice weekly as long as we can. Certainly we'll take our cues from the National Hockey League and the Canucks. And if there's news to chew on, we'll do just that. But you're telling me that we couldn't fill a podcast looking back on uh, Quinn Hughes and his rookie season in the National Hockey League or JT Miller and his first season as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, there are so many angles that we could come at. And obviously there are a ton of forward moving questions and some of those that we just touched on there. So uh, we'll continue to uh, generate the content that uh, the people demand and uh, look forward to doing it. You know, it, it may take on a slightly different form, but uh, we're all adapting as so uh, we, we learn on the fly too. But uh, uh, if you're in, I'm in, Trancer, two a week. You, you, you know I'm in, two a week. And my favorite at mention, by the way, as the news came down of a suspended season that we got from one of our loyal VanCast listeners, and I'm sorry I didn't write your name down before we started recording, but I loved it, like I truly loved it, was the one fan who chimes in and says, does this mean you don't lose the gum bet, Drancer? <laughs> There's just way too many people that are trying to get you an out on this thing. But like, I, I know, think we... I love it. Yes. No. I appreciate. Uh... I appreciate it. I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm not like that. You know, that's not. That's not. You know, the spirit of the thing matters, right? And by the spirit of the thing, it was a decisive, harrowing, heartbreaking defeat <laughs> for me in the gum bet. Jeff, once we are able to be around one another again, once this is passed and, and hopefully all of our listeners stay safe, practice social distancing, you know, I wish good health to all of you and your families, and I know Jeff does too, once, that's, once this crisis has passed, provided we make it out unscathed, before the next Canucks availability, J-Pat, we'll meet up and I will buy you whichever pack you'd like. Right. We'll, and we'll document it on video so that people can see that the bet has 100%. been settled and uh, won. <laughs> and uh, you're right. Uh, hopefully there's not a run on gum. Toilet paper, go for it. <laughs> gum, leave some. Please, leave some at 7-Eleven. Uh, we need Drancer to buck up. Hey, make sure you rate and subscribe the VanCast on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash thevancast, you'll get 40% off your subscription. And you're going to need content in these dark times so uh, if you're not already a subscriber uh, certainly consider it uh, all right Drancer we'll uh, find some time later in the week we'll see where uh, we are as uh, a league and guys that cover this league as well and uh, if uh, no news then you know as I said we got lots to look at uh, both backwards and forwards uh, as far as it all pertains to the Vancouver Canucks but that's going to do it for this version of the VanCast here at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com